My name is Freddie Cruz, and this is a podcast for Houstonians who want to engage more with their hometown and learn about the people driving its growth. These are the stories about the individuals, the businesses, and organizations that make the greater Houston area great. One such individual is Casey Curry, a former TV meteorologist who's now running for a seat on Houston's city council. And during this episode, Casey and I dive into her decision to run for office and how she plans to use her previous experience to improve conditions throughout the city. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider leaving a short review on your podcast platform of choice and sharing with family and friends. And don't forget to sign up for the newsletter at cruise through htx.com. Hi, I'm Ed Sheeran. This is Bruno Mars. Hey, it's Katy Perry. This is your man Flo Rida with Freddie Cruz. This is AJ Mitchell with Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Let's let you go pick Mr. 305 and you already know what it is. My name is Freddie and it's time to cruise through HTX. Before hitting record, we were talking about one of these um, nightly things that you go to. Yeah. Uh, sort of round table and a wheel of questions. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it was like spin the wheel, get a question. <laughs> so you have no idea what any of these, you know, 25 questions. They're from Cards be. Against Humanity. <laughs> <laughs> Please no. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> Although maybe that would be better sometimes. <laughs> there were some hard questions. Yeah. What and was then I feel like other people got softball questions. Mm. So I was like, why didn't I get one of those? Yeah. And you're so nice and sweet from TV. I mean, it's like Casey with the weather. She's telling us it's going to be sunny, but then it rains. No, but like, okay, what, what, what's an example of a hard question? So one that I enjoyed but was really challenging was if you were given a million dollars to improve the city of Houston, how would you spend it? And once you start talking, you realize that a million dollars, while sounding like so much money to all of us, doesn't actually go very far. So I started off, you'll love this, Freddie, because you and I have shared for a long time our love for animals and uh, understanding kind of the homeless uh, animal crisis that we have in Houston. And so the first thing I said was that I love animals. And because this was not something we had talked about in this meeting at all, people didn't really know that about me. And so I said, I would love to spend part of that money on spay and neuter programs, um, because that's, you know, we can't adopt our way out of the current homeless animal crisis that we have, but Mm -hmm. spay and neuter would go a real long way. And then I also said I would love to figure out a fund for people who just can't afford to keep their animals. Because we all know, I mean, I saw you take a breath. It's because we all know what our furry friends mean to us in our life and what a difference they've made in my daughter's life. I know the same for your kids. It just changes your whole being, I think, when you care for someone else, an animal. Yeah, and we've come such a long way, Casey, um, in how we view animals as part of our families. I mean, they're going to work with us. They're on Zoom calls, and we actually like being interrupted by someone's pet. You know, it's a cat crawling on your shoulders or a dog barking and going... Across the keyboard. Yeah, (laughs) going crazy on the UPS guy. Um, Yet at the same time, there's so much work to be done, especially within the inner city and... Um, I had previously recorded an interview with Tina and Tama from Houston yeah. Pet Set. Love them. And you watch the documentary uh, for the animals. We were both at the screening, and it's like, okay, we knew it was bad. Yeah. We didn't realize it was that bad. And so, to your point, a million dollars just, that's like throwing $100 at I know. a. Yeah. And, and then the list didn't stop because then I was like, okay, well, I want to do that. 
oh, but then I know I'm so passionate about STEM education, and I would love to expose more young people to the beauty of STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, and yeah. provide scholarships for them to be able to go get certificates or going to college. And because we know that having a meaningful job like that with the future, it changes your life and it, it changes your family's life. And we also know that that's what our economy needs. Mm-hmm. And then I got real excited. And then and then I thought about um, our affordable housing situation. Mm. We know that rent is through the roof and mortgage rates are unattainable right now for mm-hmm. so many people. Nobody wants to deal with that right now. It's so hard. Um, and the majority of our city is renters. And we have low-income housing that's just disastrous. And then, you know, if, by the end of it, you know, you realize that million dollars didn't really get you anywhere. So that was really one of the hardest questions last night. Yeah. Even if you divvy it up by all those issues, you're looking at what, $200,000 per issue. And I mean, mm, yeah. Yeah. So that was a challenge when you, I think it was just the overwhelmingness Mm -hmm. of thinking about that. Mm -hmm. And thank goodness it was not cards against humanity. That's right. (laughs) It would have been in real trouble then. Although if anybody's listening and they are in the city of Houston and Casey ends up at one of these events, let's make that an option. Let's do it. I'm, <laughs> I'm there for it. Um, you know, we, uh, we, we all know you um, through Channel 13 and seeing you as a meteorologist. Why on earth? Why? You're so sweet. You're Aww. so kind. I've personally seen you at all these charity functions and whatnot and trying to influence policy means you, by default, it's political. Um, And you are like the opposite of political and what we see as the stereotypical Houston council person. Um, So what what made you want to do this? I think what made me want to do it and why I should be doing it are really two different things. Mm. I'm a military kid. And so, you know, I grew up everywhere, you know, nine elementary schools and just really never had a home. And when I came to Houston 17 years ago for my job in television, it all changed for me. And people who haven't been so transient maybe don't get that. But when you suddenly realize that you have a home, it changes just how you feel about that place, that physical place, the people that are there. And I just had this real like desire inside to do more than what I was doing already. You know, being active in the business community, being active in the nonprofit community. I wanted to do more. And then once I decided I was running and started really doing the work, I realized I'm needed there. As you said, I'm not a politician. I'm not a political insider. I have a lot to learn, but I have a perspective that's not there right now. And it's a perspective that is sorely needed. And it's, it's one of being a political outsider, but it's also one of being a meteorologist and really understanding how important it is for everyday life, every decision we make, to be thinking about weather, future climate situations, flooding, all of those things. I do want to ask you about that since you just mentioned the weather and climate. Yeah. And at the time of this recording, it is September 1st. And at the time of the publishing, it'll be the end of September. Okay, so we are what some people would consider to be like out of the out of the crosshairs of hurricane season, but it lasts until November. Right. 
But really, I think we got to get through September, really, I think, before most people start to kind of breathe a sigh. Yeah. And I also feel like that's that's a way of us thinking about the old school way of storms. Mm-hmm. And what are the reasons that we saw historically a downturn in the number and intensity of storms when we got later in the season is that the water temperatures would cool. Mm-hmm. And that's not happening right now. I mean, it's like bathwater out there mm-hmm. in the Gulf. We just saw uh, with the latest storm that went into Florida. I mean, the water temperatures were so hot. That thing just went like from Cat 1 to Cat 3 like that. And so that's one of the big concerns. You're still monitoring the weather. <laughs> it never leaves. <laughs> you're working a real job. You're a mom. You're a mom yeah. and a, you're a mom and a wife, most importantly. And then you're working a like day job. Day job. And then you're running for city council. Yes. But somehow she finds the time to monitor the temperature of the water in the Gulf. I love that. <laughs> and I just started posting on TikTok. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> and you're it's not watching enough. cat videos with I your daughter it. Winnie. We love it. Oh, yeah. that's so that's so cool. Um. Going back to to you being a political outsider, and I really, I I believe in term limits. This is yeah. not going to be a political episode. I believe in term limits, and yeah. I would like to think that most of us w- are on that same side yeah. until it comes to, quote unquote, our team. Uh, right. So um, all of that being said, I feel like we need people who have not, we need new faces. Yeah. And so the argument would be, well, XYZ candidates don't have political experience. And then I see it as a fresh face with, as you said, a different perspective. And so you being in the media and obviously being in the media, you don't just see the weather. You see everything and how things go. And, And so how do you plan on using your experience in seeing how things go and sort of shining a light on like, hey, this is what's happening and you don't know about it. And why don't we try and fix this together? Yeah. So I do think there needs to be, there's value in having a mixture of people. No matter what you're doing, there's a value in having a mixture. Yeah. So city government's hard, it is complicated and it's massive. And there is value in having people who know how it runs intimately, know all the players, um, all of that. The big experience. Yes, the big experience. And so I love this mixture of people. I don't want to see everyone with experience in the city going out the door. Mm -hmm. But getting the fresh ideas, to your point, is so critical. And the reason for that is, you know, even just now, having worked in the private sector for a global firm for the last five years, I have a different perspective on what it takes to run a business, even different than I had when I was in television. And understanding the pain points of business owners, because we all know that it's small and medium-sized businesses that are driving the economy here in Houston and everywhere else in this country. I love our big corporations too. They provide so many jobs and innovation and that sort of thing. But these small and medium-sized businesses, that's who's employing most of us. Um, And so understanding their pain points about permitting, hiring, getting employees, professionals to work because the traffic is so bad. All of these basic things, if you don't have that perspective and you're just always on the other side, mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you really address the problem? Yeah, and then once you get to a, a point where you address the problem 
and you plan on doing something about it. And now you're in the execution phase. So we've gone from ideation to execution. And now everybody's complaining about the construction on I-10 or on 59 or whatever. And, and to your point, it's, um, city government is hard and there it's, it seems like it's not as sexy as national politics because that's what we see on cable news and whatnot and all the people, all the, the loud voices. And, um, but we have more agency over this and we were talking about low voter turnout before we started the interview I thought it was in the 20s. You said it was 17%. I keep hearing 17%. I mean, come on. And this is stuff that we actually have control over. That's the thing. I don't think people don't think about it, you know, because all we hear about on the news or social media is national politics, some state politics. Yeah. But it's the city politics and the county politics that affect most of us every single day. That's where you as a voter have the biggest opportunity to make a difference, not just in elections, but engaging with your council members, your county judges, the mayor, you have that opportunity all the time. Um, I know, I mean, that's what I do now as a candidate. I know that there's council members. I see them and we all know who they are, mm-hmm. who are out in communities all over the area, talking to people and wanting to hear their concerns and fix their problems. I want to go back to homeless animals because this is something that. I am crazy passionate about, yeah. like insane passionate about. My my father lives in an area where at times it gets overrun with animals. He lives around the corner from my aunt who um, she's, they're both on the older side and, um, and I, I, I get scared for them. You know, he's, he, and he names these animals. Oh, oh there's, Red. There's Balboa because he came. He got apparently he got beat up by a fellow street dog, Aww. and so he, he the dark humor coming out in him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I called him Balboa because he got his butt kicked. Like Dad, come on. <laughs> he goes. I call this one no name because I couldn't think of a name. Oh God. I call this one Elvis because he's got pretty blue eyes. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it's it's personal for me because my family is obviously impacted by this, yeah. and uh, they're is a certain truck that my dad saw um, off of 59 in Collingsworth. And he went to this truck and said, hey, yeah, there are a bunch of homeless animals. And the guy's like, look at this list. This is my list of calls. Aww. And that was like the backlog. So essentially, no, I'm we're busy and no. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Um, a lot of the, a lot of what's happening with regards to homeless animals, and there are upwards of a million, if yeah. you, depending on what study you read, right? Um, how can the city help absorb some of this problem so that the private institutions, the nonprofits, uh, don't have to bear so much of the brunt? We can get some help. Um, it's something that obviously people do care about. Yeah. We love, we all love animals. It's not a political thing. So, and and yeah. we love people. Yeah. You know, to your point, you have family members that are directly being impacted in a negative way. As much as your dad is sweet about it and trying to care for them and name them and be kind to them, um, it is taking a toll on some of our most vulnerable neighborhoods. So in the same places where we have animals who are not being cared for, I would argue in those same neighborhoods, that's where we have people that are not being cared for yeah. as well. Um, and so we know that money has to be part of this equation. So we've got to spend more money as a city 
on this problem, but we got to spend it on things that make a difference. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that spay and neuter is the biggest thing that's going to make a difference. We are never going to be able to adopt our way out of this problem. We have to do more spay and neuter, Mm -hmm. but that means we've got to incentivize people to do it right now. If you find a homeless animal and you try to take it someplace, whether it's low cost or free, you will wait months, if not longer for an appointment, even if you could get one. We've got to make that easier for people. People want to do the right thing, mm-hmm. but if it's not relatively easy for them, they can't do it. Yeah, I'd also love to see us partner with some of our community champions and not just incentivize the spay and neuter, but let's give them something else. You know, maybe we could find someone to do grocery gift cards or pet supplies, mm-hmm. um, food, uh, all of these things that, that would make things... Um, you know, just incentivize you a little more to bring that cat or dog in and get them spayed or neutered. Because think about, we all know how many animals a single cat or dog can have in a lifetime. It's staggering. The cat problem, the feral cat problem is just, it's it out is. out of hand. Yeah. And learning about cat colonies and, and seeing people complain about why cats ears are getting tipped when they go through the process and then and I'm learning like, okay, yeah. well, you know, I'm as someone who doesn't know, I'm a complete noob at this. It's like, well, why are they complaining? Okay. So they're complaining for this reason. Well, what benefit is it to have the cat, um, you know, spayed, neuter, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then put out in the colony. Like, why do you just release them? Right. Okay. Why, why do you release them back? Why are they feral again? Well, because they can't be domesticated. Right. And if you euthanize the cat it's a colony so the cats will more cats will just fill the vacuum right and so you're right it's not an adoption thing um yeah it's a yeah. spare neuter thing yeah and it's complicated i don't it really to make is. it sound like that simple so but we gotta start many elements to it but that's a good beginning yeah yeah we've got to start there and we've also just got it we've got to spend more money on it Another big problem, though, is we don't have enough people mm. you know, that want to work at the city shelter, at the county shelter, that want to drive around in the truck and answer the calls. Mm-hmm. You know, so many industries are having trouble finding people mm-hmm. that want to do these jobs. And so we've got to find a way to incentivize people to do the jobs that we need them to do. Okay. I want to ask you about crime. Yeah. Because that's another... Hot it's number issue. one. It is the number one thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter who I talk to, what part of town, what they do yeah. for a living. Crime is number one. Yeah. So crime is complicated. And I think we've got some short-term things we can do and some long-term things we can do. We need to get more people to work. And we need to get more people with meaningful work. We mm-hmm. know that that has a big picture impact on crime. That doesn't get fixed for tomorrow, though. That's a year or two longer down the road we've got to do it. It's Mm -hmm. important. It's important for the future of our city for Mm -hmm. many reasons, including crime. Mm -hmm. We also have a real shortage of first responders, whether you're talking about police officers, firefighters, uh, EMS, paramedics. And we need to get more recruits in here. And we need to increase our class sizes and get these people working. Mm -hmm. We also need to make sure that we're spending our money on things that matter. We do a lot at the city, I feel like, of spending money on things that we think are a good idea, but we don't know that it's a good idea. 
we're not being data driven when we spend our money. I, I think the one that most people can relate to right now is the ShotSpotter program. People have heard about this. It's where we're using technology um, placed in certain neighborhoods that will identify gunshots or what they think are gunshots and prioritize those calls for our officers and make those top priority, send out the officers uh, to where we think the spot, sh- you know, sh- shooting happened, or shots were fired. And 90% of the time, there's nothing there when they get there. And it's having unintended consequences. Um, that means other calls are not getting prioritized, where there's actual humans there. A person's calling 911, mm-hmm. and the shot spotter's getting prioritized. Yeah, and you don't hear someone getting assaulted. Right. You don't hear somebody getting stabbed or, or break something in, in else. their house. Break in. Yeah. Um, and so it's having unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. And now those neighborhoods where we put the shot spotters, um, they're feeling even more neglected than they were feeling before. And so we're spending $3 million on that. And that's money we could be spending on something else. We also know that our police officers don't have the equipment that they need. That's not, that's not okay. We have to make sure they are fully funded. And when you say they don't have the equipment. So we keep hearing that um, like their foundation and private sector are having to do things like buy um, helmets, vests, you know, basic equipment that they should have. Um, and speaking with firefighters, we know that a lot of their stations are run down. Air conditioning doesn't always work. Um, and so I think some of this has to be looking at our facilities and figuring out a way to partner, perhaps with the county. Um, We have a lot of overlap between the city of Houston and the county. Obviously, the county is all of city of Houston, not all of city of Houston is the county. Um, But where do we have overlap? And could we figure out, and I'm sure we can, other cities do it, dispatch in a way that we could multiply our exposure um, without increasing perhaps the number of officers? I think there's a lot we could do, but we got to start talking about it. Yeah. And, and we get talking about it on election day after we vote Yes, and we get some fresh faces in. Um, I am not a resident of the city of Houston. I live in Richmond and I'm a Fort Bend County resident. Um, but I will tell you that I'm just, I'm a fan of your work and a fan of what you're doing and, and you're, you're, uh, I'd say you're one of the good guys, but you're a lady. Uh, you're a good lady. Uh, <laughs> I'm one of the good people. Yeah, good you're one people. of the good people. Um, so, yeah, best of luck to you. Oh, thank you, On Freddie. the campaign trail. Uh, Casey Curry for Houston.com. Casey Curry for Houston.com. One last question, and I promise it's not from Cards Against Humanity. That might be <laughs> one of my other friends who has a podcast. I don't know, though. But in 200 years, someone stumbles upon the city of Houston and its story from 2023. And what do you hope they take away from oh, it? I hope that years from now, people talk about the next year for Houston being the year of transition where we transition our energy, start that transition. We start transitioning our economy um, and really, really start that transition towards the future. Casey, thank you so much for being Uh, on the podcast. Love you. Love your podcast. Love all the things that you're doing. You're everywhere right now. Appreciate you. Yeah.